We're live, we're live, we're live. I am going We're going to talk about telling your story. And we will be right back in a moment because we got to talk about it. Good morning, my name is Brian McNeil. And I am Lisa Santiago McNeil. And thank you for joining us on our show, Let's Talk About It. We come to each Monday through Friday right here on the SIBN Network on iHeartRadio, YouTube, TuneIn, as well as Facebook Live. Good morning. Good morning, good morning. Like, 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 like. Good morning, good morning, good morning. How are you doing? Hey, Miss Everyone else that heard that story 
understands that it's possible, even if they didn't make sales themselves. The story, and the thing is, you did in the beginning of the meeting too. So if you were late to the meeting, you didn't get to tell your story, you didn't get to hear the stories, and everybody wanted the stories. I think that is so important, hearing the story. Hearing the story of someone else is 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 some is a uniqueness that sometimes people just don't get. Oftentimes, we don't even realize that we are engrossed in the story, that we are being empowered, inspired, or uplifted. Comedians use stories all the time. The best ones do, certainly. Uh, Sheriff Gary McFadden here in Charlotte, North Carolina, we bumped into him again at uh, the last time we had uh, the Community Drivers Giveaway. And uh, I do these story times called Story Time with Paul B, where I tell a picture story. And Sheriff McFadden told me he caught himself watching the story that I was telling. And he, even though he said, I knew the story, but I couldn't turn away from it. He had gotten engrossed. In this, he got caught up in the story. <laughs> and, you know, the point to most stories is, or to the the point to many very, very good stories is the moral, is what could have been done uh, to change the outcome or what can be done, what can be used from this information to ensure this outcome so that you can duplicate this outcome, so you can have the same experience. Hey, Jacqueline, what you doing with 34 degrees? My goodness, do y'all even have 34 degrees clothes in Arizona? Like, do the stores even sell 34 degrees clothes? It is the one. Go ahead. Um, that's not how it, it's the, the white. Go ahead. Ends. Go ahead, honey. Three days later, Rose. Amen. The story ends. Hey, Which Melissa. That's how I, I put her hands on you. That's how I put her hands on you. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Hey, Melissa. Happy Thursday. It's Story Thursday. Your story. I'm telling you. Hey, good morning. Good morning, Dr. Beverly. You have your folding chair? Why do you have your folding chair? <clears throat> we have another challenge with white with my hair. I don't need the extra challenge with the shirt competing with trying to find white. But telling these stories is so important. And this morning I was actually, actually all this week, hey, Dr. Deborah, since Tuesday, I have been full with the stories. We are going to meet again next Tuesday at 7 p.m. for the Faith Anthology. <laughs> yes, it's a story day. If you have a testimony that you feel should be shared, if you have a story that must be told, we want to hear it. And so I definitely want you to consider joining us on next Tuesday night. I actually have the, um, the Zoom already created. You can go to Faith Anthology 2, that's Faith Anthology II, capital I, capital I, so that you can register at bit.ly, and that's bit.ly slash Faith Anthology 2, 1, 2, the Roman numeral 2. Because I realized that those testimonies are not just for the teller. They're for the hero. They're not just for the person who's sharing the story, although it is very important to them as well. It is important to the one that is hearing it. 
And so besides creating the anthology, um, as I told some of you who were in, who at the interest meeting on Tuesday, I've been seeking God for what is going to happen with this collection of testimonies, stories, information. And there are several things that are going to happen. We're going to do a tour with these testimonies. The people that have something to share, we're going to have them on to share it. And if you have a testimony that you want to come on and share to inspire someone else, then please, please, please let me know. We're going to start testimony um, or storytelling. I don't know if it'll be Thursdays or Tuesdays, but we're going to have people on to just share their snippet. My my handy dandy timekeeper right here will be sure that you don't get into telling us a whole life story, but telling us a story. And so that we can begin to get some of the greatness from each individual into the atmosphere. Hey, Chef Rev, good morning. Good morning. Thank you, Pamela. She says, so true. I tell people all the time that someone's life is depending upon, is depending on your story. It is. Wow, that's right. It is. There's a young lady whose story I heard um, years ago. We actually uh, shared her story on uh, on one of the news stations we shared. It. She had been um, healed from HIV. And she shared that story and it was so powerful and what she was using. I know HIV is not, it's still in existence. We don't have a cure for it yet, at least they say, but it's not as as it used to be. But anyway, she had to break free from her fear of sharing that story because of the stigma that was associated. And honestly, so many people got delivered because of what she was dealing, because of her willingness to share the story. Absolutely. One of the great gospel songs. That's not how the story ends. Three days later, he rose again. That's love. One of the great raps of all time, Curtis Blow. Eight million stories. Remember that? Jacqueline said, I had a doctor's appointment, not going anywhere in my crafting studio. I have a jacket, have on a jacket and covered with a blanket, waiting for the electric fireplace to heat me up. Been here for 20 years, been there for 20 years, never been this cold, almost went back to bed, could not miss the duo. Not that cold. Uh-huh. We love it, we love it. Good story. In my practice, I lost. I say every every day, every day before my practice, your money is in your story. At least not what your whole line what's in your story. There's all kinds of um, um, history that gets passed on through the story. You, know, you heard the, the oil, the oral tradition. Oral that tradition, was yes. the way that we, I'm sure the other people did, but we people of color shared our background for so many years because. Someone here knows the name of it. What do you call the person in the village whose job was to keep the stories and tell the stories to the next generation? The Griot? The Griot. That's it. The Griot. I'm surprised when I know that. I don't get surprised when you know stuff. <laughs> it's the Griot. She knows that? It's the, that's what it is. That's exactly what it is. The Griot. <laughs> Steve, brother George, you got a roll. I'll talk with you guys. 
Coach, before you go, um, are you going to see Adele Gibbons tonight, coming tomorrow night? Now that's so we love Yeah. Um, Dr. Beverly says, it sounds like international empowerment healing church of God has just been born. Dr. Beverly, you're not getting ready to give me no more job. <laughs> Amen. But I'm telling you that it is so important that I actually want to, I do want to give my platform to sharing these stories. I may actually decide that you have to pre-record your story because I don't want to have to pull anybody off with uh better with, with the, the hook. hook. Yeah. <laughs> but um I do want to share story, keep it within four minutes. Absolutely. And we'll share it um throughout this throughout the um broadcast because it is that important. It is that important. But we do want you to register for the faith anthology because if you missed it on Tuesday, I don't want you to miss out. I actually played it very, very close. I did the first round with just those that were laid on my heart and God said, you know what, you don't know everything that I know. Yes, we did say a story day, um, but we talk about the power of you and your story. Everything. One of the reasons why I love so much, Melissa, why I love so much the um, the, the spirit thing that we have, I love it so much because of the story behind it. You know, you finding peace, you and your husband finding peace, your children finding a bug, and putting those all together in the story. And then when you did the video story of it sped up real real fast we got a chance to watch the process nothing is more beautiful than that story to me you know i would love to see that again the, the video where she actually speeds it up it completes the whole thing if you still have it melissa i'd love to see it again it's in her memory the story it feels like you get it and you gotta find it Chef Press says, no, he's not going tomorrow night, but date night will take place. All right. He's not going to the comedy show, but he's going to have date night with his, with his woman. With his wife. But they do date night. There we go. Amen. Amen. I'm not in here to be the garbage man, okay? I'm in here to do the show. You have to do any of this right now. I know. You just need to give me something to do is what it is. You see, look like you was having she, too much. Y'all seen, seen her put her hands on me during this show. She hit me, told me to go change your clothes. Y'all saw that. Don't y'all see? And don't make light of domestic violence. I'm making light of domestic violence. Oh you gosh. know how it can be taken. Lisa and I did some fun pictures before we took the We had a photo shoot, especially photographer. And Lisa and I were really, really cool. We had fun with each other. And I took a picture of Lisa with my hands like this on her shoulders and neck like this. I'm not even clutching the neck. I'm going like this and I got facial expression like this. And we thought it was funny. We loved the picture, Lisa and I. <laughs> but we had a couple of people send us, you know, the best environment is not funny. And, and it's not funny to them, and I respect that. But it's, but it's not an issue in our home. And we were honest. Are we uh, still frozen? Yeah, are we still frozen, Sister Pamela? Because it's not frozen on our side, and we have a second. Um, a second video. I don't know if we want to. Dr. Deborah says reading other people's stories helps me to hold on to hope. Absolutely. Yes, yes. I and love hope, stories. I hope is fleeting. And I think that's why we need stories on the Yes. Yeah, you need to get like to, to be able to, what is it, to tie another knot and hold on. Sometimes you gotta get some hope that holding on is not futile. It's not in vain. ESPN has a series called 
30 for 30. It's these documentaries that tip through 30 documentaries, 30 for 30. They typically start on the 30 minutes, not come to an hour. But they're stories of different events, different people. And you know, Lisa's not really a sports person, but she'll get caught up in a documentary or a person or an event because of the interesting story. The interesting story. What's going on? I watched the one. Y'all remember um, Nancy Kerrigan and um, yes. Tanya Harding? Yes. I remember the whole time. Yes. And she had, the, I mean, her husband had to try to break her, um, Kerrigan's knee, so she couldn't compete against uh, Harding. I think um, uh, Nancy Kerrigan and Tanya Harding. Tanya Harding did some of that stuff. Well, after the research and everything, it turns out it was Tanya Harding. Husband. Now here's what happened. Tanya Harding got in trouble because um, maybe it's because of skillful lawyers. Because once she discovered their plot, then she didn't immediately help the police. But you know, in thinking about it, I gotta go along with you. If I'm married to Lisa and I'm thinking about taking out Lisa's competition, the first person I'm gonna tell I'm thinking about it will be Lisa. That'd be the first person you tell. And it would be next. It would be because Nick's. there is no competition. What God has for me is for me. Hey, Bill. Um, I hope that you are able to schedule ahead for the Faith Anthology to the second session on next Tuesday at 7 p.m. It will be uh, 7 p.m. Eastern, which will be 7, like, 3, 4, 4. p.m. <laughs> that was the most difficult math that I ever had to do. <laughs> Your story. You know, um, if you just talk about everything you know, stand up with the good stand up people are very close. Now, some stand up is not very good. You know, you are It's just funny, 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 funny. You don't want to do them all set up, just hit. But some other great things like Deja Stop, they want to take you on a journey. They want to tell you the story. You know, hey, baby, what happened? Baby on the corner at 2 a.m. So we, you know, stories. Jacqueline says, my mother left her legacy all over her children, especially me. How to do your purpose and keep your righteous mind while free-falling through life. I call it the other crack. Wow. What a sense. How to do your purpose and keep your righteous mind while free-falling through life. (laughs) I call it the other crack. Wow. Amen. (laughs) Um, I like how that's Prose. Dr. Dennis Whitley has it. He goes how adults race through life seeking money so they reach the other side. Amen. See, Brian, you're looking at me like four, subtracting four from seven was going to be, I mean, subtracting three from seven was, I was I was the only one with that problem. Bill said, I'm laughing because that's my problem over here every day. That basic math messes me up. Just remember to carry the one. Carry the one. There you go. You get it. Oh my goodness. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And I find myself now in this international world because I do have meetings all over the globe that I stay Eastern even if I'm talking to people who are physically human astrology. Because quite honestly, I don't know where you are. You well, on the other side of my phone, you might be anywhere. You've been tripped up enough times with this uh, mountain and uh, Carly. We've been tripped up so many times. I got tripped up this morning. This morning, I had a client that's in a different time zone than me, and she was on my calendar for 6.30 a.m. Okay. 
but then you found out she was in the same time today. Well, right. Well, at first I thought she was Mount. I, mean, I thought it was Ethan, and then you told me it was Mount Central. You said Mount. I, mean, I don't know anybody in Mount Central, and it's the only one I would have heard. But you said Mount. So I was like, dang, that's two hours. Central is one hour, Mount is two hours. So I'm off. I'm sending her messages trying to figure this thing out. Pacific is three hours. And here's what's even more better Pakistan time. And UK well, time. Across, yeah, oh anything, my anything. goodness. UK time is yesterday. Or, Can you even believe that? And Singapore is tomorrow. Yes. So I don't even try to figure them out anymore. If they're out of the out of the time zone, I just ask them what time is it going to be because Beverly, hi, hi, Belinda, sweetie. She said, I like it better when I hear the person speak on their story. I like to feel what they're saying. Absolutely. And I think that that is glorious. I think that that is glorious. But I think that there is still something to be said and needful for the written story. For the written story. I definitely enjoy hearing the story from a good storyteller. And, um, but the, but the written story is also provocative, provocative to me. However, I have learned that I listen. Listen not to what we say because this type of happens every day. That I listen better to, um, to a certain cadence. When things have a different cadence than I'm used to hearing, then I can get jumbled up. Commercial today at 11 a.m. 11. 11 a.m. today, 11. Eastern Standard Time. Um, I'm going to be on Mr. Cameron Cox's uh, podcast. Um, the show is called Business Development, and today's topic is how to ask for the money with Brian K. McNeil. He wrote up a really, really good uh, article about it too. That Brian's the sales confidence coach. I'm going to teach them how to confidently ask for the money. This will be best seen on LinkedIn. It's a LinkedIn Live. Podcast. So if you happen to be on LinkedIn at 11 a.m., you get to see me on someone else's show, uh, Mr. Cameron Talk. We'll share it to Brian's platform as well to make sure that you can access it. Absolutely. Oh, cool. Absolutely. Today we're talking about you and your story. You and your story. You Melissa know. wants a story. I, I feel it. I feel it. Tell you you feel Melissa wants oh, a story? Oh my goodness. <laughs> I feel it. Melissa's like, tell us. When are you just? It's not the end of the story. Again, again and again, again, how it all got started way back when. <laughs> the monument was right in your face. Come on, man. Tell a story. If it doesn't matter what kind of story, uh, I got stories. Tell a true story. A true story. Okay, cool. When I was in the Army, and this is giving me a chance to brag. Okay, so I'm happy to tell Imagine this Imagine that. <laughs> I'm happy to tell this story. Okay, uh, let's, let's keep the comments too. Uh, Listen, tell a story about Buffalo. Lisa said, tell a true story. Okay, cool. When I was in the Army, um, I was uh, I grew up a really good basketball player. And I thought I had potential. I thought I had potential to college level and all that. But I, I did. I was really good. And um, handles, shots. And I didn't think nobody can stop me by yourself. You're going to need help. If you try to guard me one-on-one, I'm going to score on you all day. If you're too close to me, I'm going to go around. You give me 22, I'm going to shoot over you. That's how I thought. I would even apologize for the beginning of the game. I'm sorry for this ass we're about to put on you. But anyway, when I went to the Army, I was on my post team. I tried out for the post team at Fort Bragg, and I made the team. Now, I was cocky. I was young, all that stuff. And the coach and I did not get along. Right. 
there was another guard that played my position that he seemed to prefer. Um, so he would take me in and out of games. And I was listening to him. He was all bullheaded in But we had this one particular game where I was hot early. I was hitting my shots, and, uh, and I was still mad with the coach. Okay? So I'll come in, score a couple of times, and he'll take me right out. Okay? Him and I mad at each other. He'll take me out of the game. The game was a real tight game. And, uh, but I was hot. I was hot. I was making my shots. And I had my girlfriend in the stands too. And she had brought her two sisters who were cheerleaders. So they was cheering a lot. Everything I did, they was cheering. And we knew it too. So, but the game got tight. And I was out of the game. Got down to 11 seconds left in the game. I mean, uh, 15 seconds left in the game. We were down by one. And he put me back in the game. Okay. He ran a play with this guy named McCray. I was supposed to come around top, top of the, um, the key, get the ball, and swing it to McCray in the corner. That was what it, I was supposed to do. Okay, got it. Okay, play started, the clock started, inbounded the ball. I got the ball with 11 seconds left in my game. 11 seconds left on the clock, and I knew I was not passing it to anybody. Okay, I wasn't going to pass it. So I got the ball with 11 seconds. Everyone's looking at me. I'm at the top of the key. So, 11 seconds, I got the ball. I started to dribble, and I was like, I'm counting down the clock because I know I'm going to take the last shot. So I'm dribbling there. I'm just dribbling, you know, waiting for this dude to, you know, get up on me. He was giving me room. He wanted me to shoot him out there. He was giving me room. So I'm just dribbling. The clock is ticking down. So like six seconds left or five seconds left, I make my move. I take right, go between my legs and go down. Now he's, I, I made it quick because he's kind of behind me. My defender is a little bit behind me. So I'm dribbling to the going around the key. And this other dude jumps in front of me. And I got a dude slightly behind me, another dude directly in front of me, and the basket's over there. It's like four seconds, three seconds. Okay, I have a space between them. He's slightly behind me, another guy, and they're not going to foul me because if they foul me, I'm going to go to the free throw line to potentially win the game. I know they're not going to foul me, but I'm still further away from the basket than I want to be. I'm a little bit out of my range. So I leaped up into the air and I kind of like leaned in. So I just go like that. I jumped, leaned in, shot the ball. Two, one, swish. Now that shot went in. That was me making my last second shot. It's the only time I ever did it in my career. Made a last second shot to win the game. Now, when I made the shot, everyone celebrated. Everybody came over, Pat McNeil. McNeil hit the last second shot to win the game. McNeil hit the last second shot to win the game. Even the, co the coach came over to me and gave me five, and he said, if you'd have missed it, I'd have shot you. That's what he said. <laughs> if you'd have missed, I'd have shot you. <laughs> so that's one story, a true story where I got a chance to brag the time that Brian McNeil hit the last second shot to win the game. That would have been a better story. Why would it have been better? Because it would have taught a different lesson. I, I'm trying to hear. I'm you said a true to, story. Yeah, I know, but there's still a lesson in this. I can tell you a true story that I missed. Well, no, just tell me a story that has a lesson. A lesson, okay. Um, speaking competitions. When I was in high school, I was in FBLA, Future Business Leaders of America. And my specialty was public speaking. And oh. uh, we would compete against other FBLA clubs. And then we had a big meeting, too, where uh, it was in Winston Salem, North Carolina, where all the, the best of every competition was there. And I was in Winston Salem, North Carolina. Hey, Brother Mark. And I had a good speech. And I practiced my speech. Practiced it all day, all night. I was practicing it again and again and again and again. And 
the day of the secret mission, if anybody wanted to hear it, was willing to give me three or four minutes, I was doing it again and again and again. I was doing it in the hallways. I was doing it at lunch and breakfast. I was doing it. was on the tour. I was giving that speech <laughs> over and over and over again. And um, and I, I mind you, I had been to one competition to get to this one. And I knew the other thing was going to be good too. And I had been practicing it over and over and over again. I mean, even up to the moment, I'm practicing that same speech over and over and over again. I knew what I was supposed to do. And then when they put you in the room, it was like a large classroom setting. And they only had like seven, eight people. They're all dressed. Okay. And they got one year, they spaced two people to part, and they're playing their roles. One person smiling at you, one person scowling at you. Okay. They're playing their roles. I go into the room, after practice the speech repeatedly, I open my mouth and nothing came out. I couldn't say anything. I was like, ah. Couldn't deliver. I oh, saw these faces. Yeah. One of the men in there had his sunglasses on inside the room. I saw his face. He was just plain, the shades on. I couldn't even see his eyes. And this one lady, she was so empathetic. You know, she nodding her head and everything. That was, her job. that was her job, I guess. She was like, okay, okay. Nodding. We had the nodding happy lady over there. She was blonde haired, blue eyed. And this brother here with the scowl and sunglasses on, and different people. And I couldn't speak at all. And I just left the room. And now what happened to me? I had been practicing this thing repeatedly. I think I overdid it. I think I froze up. You know, I froze up with the opportunity, which is what I wanted to do. I wanted to be there. I, no one made me go there. I volunteered and I prepared for a practice. I think that was one thing that taught me. That's why we can always tell people to give a great speech. After you practice and rehearse it, leave your notes at your chair. And always remember that it's the Holy Spirit that's moving. Even if it's not a, a, a if you're not going to give a preach, if you're going to give a talk, if you're going to do anything at all, it's still there's still there there still has to be room for the Holy Spirit. Go back up, Mark. I hear you. Let's go back up. Let's catch up. Um, we got all of the others. We did. Okay, cool. Um, let's practice this. Up. Mark Greer. Mark Greer obviously spent some time in Fort Bragg. What gym did you play at Bragg? Lee Fieldhouse. Askins, Ritz Epps, that's home for me. I played in all of them, all of the gym. <laughs> I was there from 86 to 88, Mark. When were you there? And I played for headquarters team. Okay, for 82nd Airborne Fort Bragg. 82nd Airborne Fort Bragg, headquarters team. That's the team I played for. Yeah. Now, he was in the middle, he'll know what that means. Okay, because there's different divisions. Uh, I was in 82nd Airborne. All right, cool. So I've told two stories. What What do you say? You want to hear at least tell a story? <laughs> Today's topic is um your story. You and your story. We believe your life is in your story. Even your healing is in your story. Your growth is in your story. I tell clients your money is in your story. It's all in your story. The griot is a position of honor. The griot is the person who keeps the story tells the story and prepares someone else to keep telling the story. The Leo prepares the next Leo. You know? That is so true. Um, as a matter of fact, in the series, the, I think it was the 4400, there, I didn't watch the whole series, but because we started to get too tight, we 
science fiction. But initially, there was such an importance. Hey, Pamela Howard. What's up, Pamela Howard? Sharing the story of keeping the history because they were rebuilding an entire world with what their journey had to be. So you don't want to lose where you came from. Although there are some new things that have to take out, have to take place, some new things, some new ways of life, some new laws, some new needs, right? But there were some old lessons that they could draw from. And there were people whose sole responsibility was to maintaining those old laws so that they could, maintaining them in their memory so that they could bring them up when you needed to compare them with what's going on. Like we do with biblical um, stories. Think about how much power that is within a person. Mm-hmm. How much power you have to maintain these stories and maintain things in your memory. For example, you could go into another country completely empty-handed and say nothing to declare, but have the information to build warheads or bombs or guns or plans to build a business or all kinds of things that's in your head. Your stories are just like that. What an amazing power we have carry with us these stories and share these stories. I think of the, the wisdom in the stories of of, of, of of even the biblical stories. I think of the wisdom in them, the lessons that we learned. The story where the two mothers brought the one baby to the judge because they didn't know whose baby it was. That's well, right. they, know who, they knew who it was, but they, they were fighting about whose baby it was because one baby had died in the night. Like, why do we need to know that story? What's relevant about that story? And that story taught us that sometimes the person that cares the most is willing to sacrifice the most. Uh, Mark Grissom, I used to play at Haskins Saturday mornings for five hours. I played out there while, while, while in college. And after I graduated, 1985 to 1990, straight balling, the competition. Now, if you come into the military post to play, everybody's in shape. I remember one time we played, we had won 10 games in a row and pick up full court. And nobody was tired at the end because we was all in shape. Nobody was tired. We had played 10 games in a row. No full court. No one was tired. I wasn't tired. We was all walking to our car just talking calm. I was like, no, we just played 10 games in a row. Nobody was tired. Okay, so you do get some games in there. Um, Dave Chappelle had this funny skit, uh, Great Moments in Hookup History. Okay, Great Moments in Hookup History. You know, how to how to hook up with women and all that kind of stuff. I would tell one of my great moments in hookup history. That's a story. Ready, Melissa? I was in a club, chilling, being cool, like I am. And I saw it was I saw this dude, he grabs this girl by her upper arm, and he says to her, Look, you and I, we going on the floor, we're gonna dance, and you better get live. That's what he told her. <laughs> what the hell? What kind of move is that? Right? I saw him do that, and she was like scared. He's like, going up to the dance floor. I said, Yo, get off my wife, what are you doing? Oh, bro, man, I'm sorry. I didn't know it was your wife. Man, what do you want my wife? I didn't know it was your wife, man. I'm sorry, man. He let her go, and she immediately ran up to my side. <laughs> I said she was my wife. That was so nice. So Brian had a great moment. He was so grateful for the move. Here I go. Amen. Hey, man. Yeah. All right, Brother Mark. He said, I'll walk off the court and give my spot to somebody else. No, I don't. I don't believe it. People 
who are winners are winners in every area. Okay, and if they were a winner in, in Cub Scouts and Boy Scouts, they'll be a winner in college. I hear those stories, I wish I had the dinner. Okay. That's okay. Um, one of the talks that Lisa gives, and, uh, and no one can say this like other than I think way better than of course, but no one else can do it like this. So she talks about, she takes her audience and she sets them up. <laughs> but um, I remember walking to 
to turn your life around. You become the person that you are today. Oprah Winfrey, I saw a thing about Oprah. Oprah had a horrible childhood, like Lisa, very much like Lisa. Horrible childhood, you know, being beat and sexually abused and all that kind of stuff. Horrible childhood. But is that what it took for Oprah to have the level of empathy that she demonstrated on her talk shows? You know, her heart was so big. Everybody's like, oh my God, Oprah gets these people. She can make them cry. She can make them this and talk about this because she understood. She understood pain. Amen. Dr. Deborah said, it took me some time before I realized that my dad grew up in Mississippi, the silk, and, and probably, probably did, did not, not walk, walk in the snow. No. Like we did in Wisconsin. Wait, hold up. Was my dad in Wisconsin? I think everybody's dad is. And guess who does it better? Granddads. That's <laughs> one of my buddies told me, even when we were young, he said, Man, you're going to be the best granddad. Because you got all these stories to tell grandkids. And he's right. I love to tell my grandkids stories. Love it. <laughs> We got a serenade that we're not going to be late this time. You and your story matter. You and your story matter. Tell your story. Tell your story. Tell your story. I need to do some pom-pom. Tell your story. If you missed the Faith Anthology workshop on um, on Tuesday, please, please, please sign up for the one on this coming Tuesday at 7 o'clock. Faith Anthology 2, bit.ly slash Faith Anthology.
Good morning to our family. Nobody thinks I can still. We love him so that we always Thursday. 